1: Welcome to the Sheer Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week I'm joined by Lou Huff, Heather Steele, and Rosie Cherrington. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. Is everyone feeling fresh straight after the bank holiday?
2: I no. Feel, I <laughs> feel so really fresh. Oh, i just saying, Charlotte, I feel like that extra day really makes all the difference. How, how different I felt on a Saturday morning to a Monday morning. I know. I'm just having one extra day. I say
1: this to you all the time, Lou, but so often I feel like the weekend you're just kind of catching up in order to kind of yeah. do it all again in the week. Yeah, and baby. so having that extra day just gives you the time to actually chill Rosie you were dying last yeah, week yeah I was dying Are I actually you better?
3: feel like a human today for the first time <laughs> in you know, over a week so I do feel fresh I mean not compared to normal people but fresh compared <laughs> to myself I spent my entire weekend on the sofa sweating oh, perfect so, just sweating it out
2: and how the weather really wasn't that good yep. so nice. I think you're totally
4: allowed guilty. Yeah. to very yeah. sofa surfing yeah. Hey, yeah. What, what were you actually? you were in Scotland yes I went up to Scotland my grandma died a few months oh, ago sorry. and we had the funeral then but we did like a kind of burial party this weekend because uh, she needed to be buried in Scotland which is where she was from it sounds quite morbid but it was just a really nice occasion lots of Scottish family who couldn't come down to the funeral came and yeah we just had a good old knees up celebration of life exactly yeah lots of gin and tonics in honour of her favourite drink but (laughs) it was really fun but basically to get to Inverness I don't have a car so I have to get the train to Gatwick a flight to Inverness Mm. waited three hours for the only coach of the day (laughs) and it was a three and a half hour (gasps) coach journey God, what a and so I did that on Thursday and then the return trip yesterday. So it's pretty boring. Oh, I read some books, so Right, yes. read... what did you read? So I read a very English scandal, you know the BBC oh, yes. uh, thing that was on a few months oh, ago. Oh, the Hugh so, Grant one. Yeah, so it's based on this book the political journalist wrote quite a few years ago, about five years ago. And yeah, it's just as good and extra juicy goss as oh, well. Cool. So yeah, enjoying that. Worth reading. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I it's really read... funny. Is it? But like all the stuff they used to get up to. When Crazy. you're reading it, did you see Hugh Grant playing it? I did, yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> I think he really fits <laughs> yeah. that stereotype, doesn't he?
1: he I does. have read nothing good this summer. I'm feeling really Same. down about it. I've had no, like, juicy summer reads at all.
3: I haven't had time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been, like, such nice weather. They've actually been just out doing stuff so much. But then when the weather turned, I started reading Wuthering
2: Heights.
0: Again. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, so, so good, good kind for of this weather. Such a winter yeah. read. Such, <laughs> such a winter <laughs> read. It's really got me in oh, the mood. It's wanted to buy a I love it. Go on some malls. Yes. Yeah.
2: Be
1: running <laughs> <Be dramatic. Yeah. laughs> well, I think that nobody has recommended a book to me where they've been like, "I've absolutely loved this. You must read it." That hasn't happened all summer. No, so, I agree. listeners, <laughs> if you have recommendations that you absolutely love this summer, I think we're all open to them. Lou, you can't imagine a bank holiday went by without you watching some movies or something
2: good on TV. I spent all of Saturday sat on my sofa doing absolute nothing Dream. and like watching really oh, shitty so films, jealous. which I, I won't bore you guys by <laughs> talking about <laughs>
3: what they I actually want to know because I. I, do. I I'm a I big it. fan of shit, Phil. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, i got one well. for you guys, just <laughs> But then Sunday, it was absolutely pissing it down with rain. I went back to Bristol, and it didn't stop raining, I think, all day. Yeah. And we had made plans to go to Babington House and go for a swim and things like that, and swam outside in the rain. And I felt so amazing doing it. I used to swim a lot when I was younger, and I really, like, don't keep it up. But there's something so amazing about swimming outside in the pouring rain. Completely agree. And yeah. I just, like, did, like, length after length after length. And i just felt so revitalized Aww. it was so amazing so um... is the pool heated it is. It's like, I don't know, 29. Oh, lovely. Yeah. But yeah, it was pouring down, and it was just really cleansing. I really enjoyed
1: it. Also, swimming. My brother, well, I saw him, this sounds so weird, but I saw my brother shirtless the other day. I don't live with him, <laughs> obviously. <honestly. laughs> so I don't see him shirtless all that much. And he came downstairs, and we, my boyfriend and I were both like, you are in such good shape. He's like, I've oh, been swimming four times a week. It's completely uh, yeah. transformed his body. Yeah. It's maybe more for men, because you get that kind of broad shoulder, like you that Johnny Bryan and you get that yeah. triangle yeah. thing. Exactly. <laughs> but my
2: God, what amazing exercise. If you don't like getting all yeah. sweaty, he really yeah. makes maybe kind of think about it. I think because you use every single part of your body, but, you know, you're not like sweating or anything like that. And I just think it's really good for your mind. I just found it so therapeutic and just, I felt so different afterwards. And I was like, why don't I do this more often? There's something about the repetition as well. I think you're just kind of
1: going up and down and up and down and that's quite therapeutic, isn't
2: it? No, so I loved it. And then Sunday night and Monday night was treated to the best TV I have watched in a really long time. I think I
4: know what you're going to say. Bodyguard. I haven't watched it yet because I was away but i Oh my God. Is it? I mean, this
1: is the new
2: Keely Hawes <laughs> yeah. show on the BBC, right? Yeah, the first episode was on Sunday night. Second episode was on Monday and then it's going to be weekly every Sunday. I was
4: gripped oh from the first two minutes. Seriously? Absolutely amazing. So, it's, it's the it's writers good. behind Line of Duty yes. thing and they obviously know how to kind of pull yeah. it. I've never, never watched audience. Line of Duty but so
1: many people rave about it. Think, oh my the God. The last
4: series was particularly That's what we found in the
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's basically about a ex- army veteran who is suffering from PTSD and he is assigned to be the bodyguard of the home secretary and it's set in London it's very current there's a lot of terrorist activity going on but the storyline is epic Richard Madden is sensational That's, I was it's. about
1: to say this, the guy is famous yeah, Richard yeah. Game um, of Thrones, yeah.
2: also Cinderella but I've never been more gripped and I cannot wait for Sunday. And it's so nice normally when you watch something like this it's on Netflix and you Binge watch it and it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so excited for that for Sunday oh, now. And I've been waiting this. for a really good series to get back into, but it's got Bond vibes. It's just oh, it's fun, so brilliant. Because
1: that last one that the BBC did was such a what was that awful one with McMafia Yeah, that, no, oh that one, God, yeah, that no, I didn't watch
2: so that. So cheesy. It was so bad, yeah. it was cheesy.
1: so hype. was like the BBC's big drama,
2: and it was just, yeah. oh, yeah. just useless. Yeah. so yeah. It's no. better than that, right? It's, it's so much better. Than okay, the good. reviews have been incredible, and good. I've been so excited to talk about it on podcast. That's <laughs> really good TV to talk about. Oh. So yeah, I won't give any spoilers away, but it is really really worth a watch okay amazing okay, I'm
3: going to catch that. up tonight but Rosie what about you what TV did you watch I watched lots of YouTube documentaries Ooh. about YouTube beauty gurus I think I spoke yeah, you, are fascinated by this, aren't you about my guilty pleasure which is my love of beauty YouTube drama <laughs> and drama. this one YouTuber called Shane Dawson has made a documentary about Jeffree Star who is quite a controversial beauty YouTuber and he owns a huge cosmetic business and is this weird secret multi-millionaire and everyone's like how has he made his money anyway if you are at all interested in beauty industry I definitely give it a watch because it's absolutely fascinating. It's so great. what is
1: his business? Do we know the brand? Yeah,
3: yeah it's called well, it's called Jeffrey Star Cosmetics. It's oh, okay. really big in America. Yeah. You can buy it over here but he's had a lot of kind of scandals and things so okay. he's a very controversial character but it is so fascinating to kind of see behind the screen and find out what he's really like and his life is absolutely crazy. He has an entire wardrobe dedicated to I think he calls it like this is where Gucci goes to die and it's just <laughs> last season's Gucci. <laughs> That's how rich he is and oh it's mad God. and it's about how he's made all his money And it's fascinating. Yeah, that does sound
4: very fascinating. And this
3: is on YouTube? It's on YouTube, yes. Interesting.
1: Well, I took a flight home last night and watched a new Netflix film called To All The Boys I've Loved Before.
3: (laughs) I was actually going to watch that and then I fell asleep again.
1: (laughs) Tell me about it. I've seen it pop up. So
3: I thought it was just a kind of crappy teen
1: drama, which it kind of is. It's just about a high school girl who she basically writes letters to boys that she's had crushes on kind of throughout her teenage years and but doesn't send them like keeps them stashed away and then in a fit of trying to get her to kind of leave the house her little sister posts them so all the boys then receive these love letters and it's about the consequences of that and it is a teen high school drama but when I say the main guy is like the best rom-com male lead I have ever experienced. Oh I, I think it's probably really wrong that I'm now a bit in love with this 17-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I looked him up on IMDb. I was like, I'm sure he's probably older. And then it was like, born in 1996. Oh. <laughs> <Like, laughs> <okay>, <know.
4: laughs> Moving
1: on. But anyway, he's such an amazing character. Like, Lou, I mean, like you'd be like at his feet. Like, you know, even those, like proper, proper old school rom-com men. Dream. Uh, dream. But also, you know, it's not as kind of dated as it sounds. It's quite progressive. There's like really strong female characters and also it's a mixed race cast as well, which is a bit yeah. more refreshing. And actually... I looked this morning it's got a 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and I really enjoyed it it's not as kind of crappy and tweeny as it looks so is it
3: based on a book that everyone was talking yeah, about yeah it is based on a book is it American? Uh, the same
1: name American anyone Sarah well America. known in it oh actually yes the dad is Aiden from Sex and Sisters. oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> you know was someone falls off the screen and you're like no way he aged <laughs> like I always think it's so
4: funny when people you've grown up watching become the, yeah, the mum and dad totally. or grandparents even and you're like what and <laughs> he looks old of he <laughs> Yeah, oh really
1: anyway, so i really recommend it. Well, speaking of TV, we actually wrote a piece about the best new additions to Amazon Prime. We all know Netflix gets a lot of love, but Amazon Prime is fast catching up to the streaming service. Do you guys
2: use Amazon? I've never used Amazon Prime. I just would never go to it to think of, like,
4: oh, what series shall I watch? Maybe I need to be educated in it. Heather, <laughs> tell me more. So I only use it occasionally, because I live on my own. I basically can't really afford to pay for Netflix, now TV, and Amazon Prime, especially when I feel like I'm out all the time and don't actually watch that yeah. much so i kind of come to it here and there and sort of occasionally buy it month by month but yeah i'm not actually using it at the moment because i'm like it's summer i'm gonna not hang on amazon TV. prime isn't
2: that when you get like next day delivery and everything yeah yeah, yeah but, but it's, it's
4: also a streaming thing where Amuser. you can use it yeah it's the name of their streaming service too oh, and right. you can just yeah. download loads of films and just watch them
1: so once. if you pay for an amazon prime account it gives you yeah. access to this streaming service as right. well as next day delivery and
4: stuff yeah. okay. it's kind of all so encompassing you, yeah you can kind of buy individual episodes okay. of series or download films there's a lot that is free included. or inc- yeah, yeah included with your
1: yeah. Amazon Prime subscription. so okay. there's stuff you have to buy that's like the new it's a bit like Sky like the newer releases right. you have to pay for like on top of but actually there's loads available within your subscription Rosie do you use
3: it? yeah I do well it's not my account so my mum but I went <laughs> on Andy. it when I ran out of things to watch on Netflix and I was absolutely shook I couldn't believe it there's so much stuff on there there's like Girl on the Train like films that have kind of not yet on Netflix are on Amazon I like kind of say get them what first. I think
4: they're really good at they kind of not that we all buy DVDs now, but they do actually release films before they do come out on DVD or on other places. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you have missed something at the cinema, sometimes about three months later, like I think Three Billboards is on at the mm-hmm. moment, and that was in the cinemas a few months back. And so. Paddington 2, I and think. And Paddington 2, so yeah yes. Yes, i really to watch. Yeah, I
1: do as well. I actually started watching Paddington 1 on the plane on the way out, but it got a bit sad at uh, the beginning,
4: I know. But I will give it a go. Hugh Grant's go. the villain as well. It's everywhere, it doesn't yes, he?
1: Exactly. I <laughs> use Amazon Prime... As much as I use Netflix these really? days. Yeah, I really do. I love old American sitcoms. That's like my thing. And they have a much better selection on Amazon Prime. There's a lot of downloadable Seinfeld, which is great for me. <laughs> and as you say, amazing movies. I get loads of great, silly rom-coms which again, are really good for just when you're flying or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you've got a long journey to take. Plus other series that you can't necessarily get on Netflix. Like, I love The Good Wife and then subsequently The Good Fight and that's there as well. So I think there's loads.
2: How do you navigate it? Because I find Netflix so overwhelming with how many movies to watch and whenever I go onto anybody else's account, they always have such a better selection than what's, than oh, what's on mine. So to kind of be going into another field of... TV shows and films, how do you decide which one to
1: go for? I think there's less product and higher quality on Amazon Prime, so okay. there's less shuffling
4: through to yeah, me not, I don't you yeah. agree? Yeah. Do you like things on Netflix, as in when you've watched something that you've liked? Because oh, no, no. I do and then it comes up with a more kind of curated oh. thing. Oh. I try and do that and then I feel it gives me more of a okay. sort of a good you, tip you know. really liked these things, so chances are you'll like that. Okay.
1: The other show I haven't actually watched it, but all my friends were obsessed with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I was going to it's just come good. out. Yeah, yeah, it's relatively new, I think. But I think it's based on Joan Rivers' life story. Okay. But I think there's Ooh. singing and stuff like that in it. Could be wrong. But anyway, I've heard very good things. So, everyone's saying check it, out. it gets me. It's <laughs> <laughs> my vote. Let's talk about hen parties. We all love a wedding. From the ceremony to the planning to the highly anticipated hen. But they're getting pretty expensive. A clothing brand called Banana Moon did a survey and found that the average spend on a stag or a hen is a whopping £507. Pounds. That's just for a UK hen, apparently. Apparently, for an abroad hen, it's £998 per guest. These numbers seem stratospheric to me. Heather, have yeah. you ever paid anything like this for a hen?
4: Probably, to be honest, I haven't had that many to go to, luckily, because most of my mates are unmarried, like me, but I'm kind of dreading when we all start sort of getting married, mainly just because of the Hindu's. like, just from all the horror stories I've heard. But actually, yeah, one hen I went on a couple of years ago was about £600, and that was in the UK, and it was kind of, oh, of oh my, staying in a sort of, not centre-parks, but one very similar that was cheaper, but still expensive, so paying wow. for the accommodation for that for <laughs> three nights and again it was over the bank holiday weekend oh, so okay. that obviously pushed the price up just food a spa day I mean we didn't even really do that much in terms of activities we drove up so that didn't cost much but I think it was mainly the accommodation and there's only I think there's eight of us all together so only seven of us paying and again I think because there weren't loads of us it really did push the price up and I remember I didn't go on a holiday that year because that was essentially oh, my on, holiday because I was like well that's all the that's money it. I would have had to go abroad. And has gone and then it was lovely and yeah it was you know a very nice occasion but I really am dreading getting to a stage where there's more than one in mm. a year because mm. I honestly don't know would it make you think twice if you were organizing one or if it was your own I'm actually organizing one of my best friends one for next year I haven't really started thinking about it yet because the wedding's not till next October but again I'm quite worried mm. I don't know a lot of her friends from back at home since I've moved away and they're all gonna come down to London I think so that's all already going to be expensive Mm -hmm. but I kind of trying to work it out because for them not living in London everything is going to seem even more expensive Mm -hmm. than it would do back up north but equally you want to like show your friend a really good time and make it really special so I think it's trying to I think that the hard thing where
2: everyone's got a different budget in mind of what they're willing to pay but it's kind of what the bride wants to do so you know I imagine like kicking up a fuss when five other people are keen or no one really
4: wants to mm-hmm, st- I like know. to say anything is really tricky and being the organizer you've kind of become the debt collector as well <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. you don't even if you don't really want to do it you're like well you everyone it up it. yeah exactly yeah. 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 okay. Rosie you're
3: God. organizing one for next year aren't um you? for next year so next year is probably going to cripple me financially it's <laughs> the year all my friends and me turn 30 and there's about three weddings so far, so oh, Christ, it's going to be an expensive time. Yeah, it's saving now. Um, yeah, I'm going to be organizing one for my friend because she is getting married in the states. It's going to be quite low key. Mm-hmm. We're thinking maybe something like Babbington House or Soho Farmhouse or something. Still not cheap option. No, not cheap option. No. <laughs> low key is not the same not, as cheap. Yeah, no, for something low key, and there's not going to be that many of us. But I mean, other friends they're having two hen You know, like mm. a week abroad oh, and then hiring no. a house in the country i just think it's going absolutely outrageous i think
2: the plot has been lost yeah i have have been quite lucky and haven't had to pay quite as much as some of these figures but i've heard real horror stories from friends who have had to and i think as you said when it's a bigger group and there's maybe not everybody it's kind of different groups of friends of the bride and nobody really wants to speak up about what they want to do and everyone wants to do something different and I don't know. I don't know whether social media has really kind of changed hen parties
4: because everything is so publicised.
2: And you see what other people are doing. You're like, oh God, I want to be doing that. And I don't know. I just think it's got really out of control. Well, in
1: this piece that we wrote about it, we said that a 2016 YouGov survey found that 41% of people consider stag and hen celebrations outdated. Do we think it's a bubble that's going to explode? Has it gone
2: too far? I just think it needs to be a bit more considered. Like, Take it back to what it should be, like celebrating before you get married with your best friends and do what makes you happy. I don't think it needs to be like lavish or crazy Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And I don't know, I think people have just... Lost the
1: plot a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I have. To, I've been on quite a few hens, and I've never paid anything like five hundred and seven pounds. The second one I've organised is in two weeks' time, and I mean that's going to be near three hundred. And even then, I feel a little bit guilty about yeah. that. It's not easy to keep it at that limit, but I think there's absolutely no excuse. No. The first one I organised was two fifty, and again, even that, there's a bit of money to pay for a weekend, and that's also including all travel, all food. Yeah, you know, people yeah. won't
2: have to reach for their pockets. I think smart. you need to let people know how much it will cost at the beginning. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. how much it is. I think when it's like oh on the night like let's try and do this try mm-hmm. and do that and like splitting the bill or no things way. like that yeah. yeah i think you have to know from a budget perspective from the beginning and then work it forward from definitely down. agree mm-hmm. and Rosie,
1: like you said if i think if the wedding is going to be abroad as well then you have to have more low-key hen i know mm-hmm. that's what i'll be doing we've all been in that position when you're trying to get your cv to the top of a pile for your dream job we spoke to three recruitment experts to find out how you can put yourself ahead in the job stakes by getting your cv looking tip top Some of the tips included the layout, the wording, and the content, as well as whether you should or shouldn't be
2: attaching a picture. So, Lou, I'll come to you first. Queen of Aesthetics, (laughs) what do you do? The way that it looks is so, so important to me. And when I was putting together my CV, that was the first thing that I was focusing on. I think it's really important. I think when you've got loads of CVs in front of you, the design can really stand out. Design in what
1: way? What does that mean?
2: I think depending on the industry that you're in, it's really important to sort of design your CV in a specific way that's related to your industry. So there are loads of websites online that you can use to help that. If you haven't got a sort of a design bone in your body, think you can kind of take a template, which I think is really useful. Do
1: you think it's necessary? I know when we were looking for a fashion assistant, I do not think we received a single CV that wasn't some kind of creative design. And obviously that's within that industry. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for more professional careers, I mean, I'm pretty sure mine is just a piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, mine
3: is a piece of paper. Yeah. because my issue was someone really drilled it into me always keep your CV on one page yeah that's so yeah. important and so to fit everything on one page mine literally looks like a piece of shit it looks <laughs> just like a printed out word document but it fits all on one page well, and that was what was important for me
1: well I have to say the design thing does make it maybe easier to fit it all on one page because we saw um, a lot of like snazzy kind of yeah. little boxes in the corner cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we saw some interesting things but I agree with you and I, I also was told that and, and I know
2: from experience that when you're looking at people's CVs,
1: you just want something really kind of clean and easy to consume. Yeah. And I think yeah. perhaps having it all in on one page in an unfussy yes. format. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Design doesn't need to mean fussy. So mine is a very clean aesthetic. As you, as you know. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Um, but it's certainly, I think some people think, of design is going to have like flowers and, mm. and lines mm-hmm. and boxes here and there. Yeah. It really doesn't need to mean that. So I think, yeah, don't automatically assume that you need to fill it with loads of things in order to make it more designer. I that's a very good
1: point heather what would you,
4: you my like? controversially is one and a half pages it was it was one but i got one of my friends offered to show it to his boss and his wife who do lots of recruitment and when it was all on one page and they both said don't believe the myth that it all has to be mm-hmm. on one oh, page shit. So are like if, well this is just what they said <laughs> they were like yeah i think it's more important that you get everything you want to say on the page mm-hmm. and yeah. allow, like you said, a lot of white space, so isn't everything kind of yeah. cramped
2: in? I think the most important thing is just putting what is relevant on there. I think if you're taking out experience that is really relevant to the role that you're applying for your experience, then... You know that's probably not going to do you any favors, but I think past a certain age, you don't need to put what school you went to and what GCSEs you took. I think there's definitely a time where you need to take off that stuff because it's just really not relevant.
1: My pet peeves are when people put languages that they're like not really that proficient, or like say GCSE
2: level.
1: (laughs) I don't really care and also when people put their hobbies you know when it kind of is overflowing it's because they're like huge horse riders
4: again when I finished my sort of higher education or whatever I'm still really annoyed that there was no real sort of education about how to do CVs and cover letters and things Mm -hmm. like that they're just kind of right you've got your degrees now off you go try and find a job and actually I think it's so important and everybody's got sort of conflicting advice and I think also
2: the older you get and the more experience you've had and the more roles you've had it's really difficult to then condense that yeah. down mm, to know what's relevant and also I guess if you're maybe at a changing point in your career and perhaps like your roles haven't taken a succinct line in terms of experience mm-hmm. and how they flow on for each other and maybe each role is slightly different or you know I think that's also quite hard to sort of contain mm. all the experience yeah. into one and
1: you can feel like you're already trivializing you're or completing. you know, if you're trying to condense like a decade's worth of experience into yeah. one yeah. page then it really does feel like yeah like making it more trivial well one of the other big things on this piece was about the wording said the key phrases not to use were leverage and utilize in place of use. They're saying don't use overly fancy words in your application. And responsibilities include, I'm pretty sure mine says responsibilities include. One of the biggest mistakes job applicants make is including a long drawn out list of all their work duties in a current or past position. Hiring managers likely know the types of tasks you performed in a previous role and don't need a detailed breakdown. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that's maybe if you're on a very linear career path, kind of as you Mm. said, Lou, but I think actually it's good to break down a little bit what you've done. Another key piece of advice is to check Check and check again. I know I once had a massive fuck up oh where no. I applied to a job and called them a different oh business. Oh yeah, that no. was, that's and they came back to me, which was mortifying. Oh oh I know it was on my it was on my year abroad. It was an internship in Paris for either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, and I emailed the them other. with the wrong name, oh. and they came back being like, "We are actually not there." Goodbye. Oh, that's yeah, they were that Sending that email, and, to the person. And so when, <laughs> when you receive that, you're like, no, you, you're oh, like, that's it. I want to crawl into a ditch, but. The thing is, once you've done that once,
2: you oh, will God. never you make that mistake. So that is it. And as well, just check spelling errors and Spell things like that yeah. in your CV. Uh, I know, actually got a job with that.
3: a giant spelling mistake in my CV. So Did you? There's hope
2: for well everyone.
1: <laughs> I'm just going back to that thing about including a picture. This says, avoid putting a cheesy photo at the top of your CV or anywhere else for that matter. Where do you guys stand on
2: that? Because I feel like there's a lot of conflicting advice on that. I think it is never necessary to put a photo of yourself Agreed. on your CV. No. If people want to know what you look like, they can go. You, and they can find you on Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook or the World Wide Web. I just don't <laughs> think you need to show people what you look like.
3: Do you think you should be putting social media handles on your CV? I think, unless you're an influencer, it looks a bit, I don't know. Maybe if it's like really, really relevant to your job from right? yeah. 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 I'm I, sure if you're I a social we... media manager, then maybe. Yeah, I agree but... with
2: Rosie. I think if it's relevant, put it on that. And I think putting like a blog or something on yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah your, website, um, your, blog. your employer will do the research. Mm-hmm anyway they'll be stalking and I think also be wary of that if there's things that you don't want to be seen on your Instagram or definitely do a
4: cull if you've been exactly make it private good Mm -hmm. tip the other thing I was just going to bring up is uh, one of the tips is include a cover letter which actually I think for people like me and Rosie as journalists I think that's actually more important to employers than the CV like it shows you can write it shows that you're Mm -hmm. responding to the right parts of the job application Mm -hmm. and demonstrating how you can do the role and I think for a lot of hiring managers in that realm of work, the mm-hmm. cover letter is actually way more important than the CV. I completely agree. Because also
1: you can't pitch why you're interested in that job on your CV because no, yeah. it's just
4: about you and you yeah.
2: cover letter in order to explain yeah. why you're really I think with it. any role, it's really important to have mm. a cover letter. It's yeah. kind of your time to really show your experience mm. and shine and stand out, I guess, from somebody else.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Speaking of careers, Rosie, you wrote a piece.
1: Can having tattoos still hinder your career in 2018? Contrary to popular belief, it seems being inked won't stop you from getting the job of your dreams anymore. I'm gonna come to you
3: first as our resident inking queen. What is the new research saying? So there was new research conducted in America. It was over 2,000 people from all 50 states. They found that the annual earnings of tattooed employees were indistinguishable, statistically, from those without tattoos. And this is the shocking part. They actually found that tattooed job seekers were not only just as likely to get a job as non-tattooed candidates, but in some instances, and I will say this is for men, not women, and that's what they meant by instances, they were more likely to be hired. 0.3% 0.3% more likely to be hired. So why do you think it is that men are more likely to be hired for tattoos? Just institutional sexism, Charlotte.
2: but what industry is this in and also is this like they've got a tattoo on their shoulder and they're wearing a shirt so nobody can see it and they've just ticked a box to say yes I've got a tattoo tattoo. but nobody in my workplace knew about it yeah
3: exactly we don't really know which is why I did a bit more research because a lot of news outlets were publishing this basically saying you know get tattooed everyone it's fine but actually when you do a bit more research into it there is still for people with really visible tattoos quite a lot of bias against them, especially in really corporate roles. They found that hiring managers were more likely to stereotype people with certain kind of character traits Mm -hmm. if they had tattoos and you can also be fired because of your tattoos legally too legally yeah
1: legally because it doesn't come under one of the discrimination no
3: unless it's a religious tattoo you can (gasps) not be hired or be fired and it's actually happened there's been cases in the news so
1: heather and rosie you both have visible tattoos have you ever experienced discrimination and do you see the reasons behind it
3: well i mean i guess mine are visible but the ones that are visible in like day-to-day life are just like one. Small ones. One tiny one because mm-hmm. if I wear tights... Oh
0: yeah. I if I have
3: my hair down I mm-hmm. have tights on which I wear like 80% of the year mm-hmm. and a long sleeve. No one really is going to see mine. Because the
1: majority of yours are on your legs, right?
3: On my legs and on my body so they're not really out. I can't comment on how it would feel to have a neck piece or full sleeves mm-hmm. but I can imagine that in a lot of industries probably not media it mm-hmm. would really really hinder things. And mm. if you
2: were going for an interview, say in the height of summer, would you make sure that your legs were covered, um, or would you not feel like it was going to impact your interview?
3: I think I probably wear a longer dress anyway, just because it's smarter. But no, even from like my very first kind of interviews and stuff at major newspapers, I've always had them out, and I just feel like in media, it's not seen in the same yeah, way. I think we're lucky in the industry. That's the thing. That but I mean, God, if I worked in finance, no, I would hundred percent cover them up mm-hmm. because there's yeah. definitely a stigma
4: around it heather well yeah any interviews I've had even the two I had here I always made sure I covered them up because you just don't know people do have sort of personal mm-hmm. preferences and there's just no point giving anyone who's interviewing you sort of any excuse mm-hmm. to kind of discount you against somebody else so yeah I would always keep yes. them covered up for any interviews maybe gradually reveal them <laughs> 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 over time. after you yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly I know some people don't like it and do think it's not that professional, so yeah. Lou, is it the stigma when it comes to employment that has stopped you getting a tattoo in the past? I really want to
2: get one on my wrist. Um, like everybody else, I'd love a little star. <laughs> um, but it doesn't... I think the industry that we work in, we are very lucky that it's more acceptable um, and less frowned upon, I think, to have something. But I'm never going to have a sleeve or anything like that, so I think I would be okay.
1: What about you? Well, I don't have any, and I think the reason for that is... Is majority because I would be aware of being judged on them. I and mean, if it's not like I'm scared of the pain or anything like that. I'm just aware that it's something that you
2: do and then people do form an opinion, rightly or wrongly. And if you were an employer, how would you feel if someone came into the workplace?
1: I think it's changing so much. I'm definitely quite a conservative person so probably a decade ago if I was an employer then I would have been probably a bit more discriminatory about it but basically everyone I know now is covered in tattoos. I think it's such a generational shift isn't it? My brother's covered in tattoos. Everybody he knows is covered in tattoos. He's a few years younger than I am. So I think that actually that's just a really outdated attitude nowadays and yeah I understand if you're running a professional services firm you don't want somebody with something scrawled across their neck or their forehead or something but actually yeah I think it's going to even in another 10 years it's going to be a pretty backwards attitude actually
2: definitely
1: here's one for me <laughs> it's shopping addiction a mental health condition we all like to indulge in a little retail therapy every now and again but spending money on things we don't really need can actually be a sign of mental illness. Well, a recent study conducted by Hanover Medical School revealed up to 7% of adults display characteristics of compulsive buying, which can be anything from that build-up of anticipation to feeling intense excitement when your shopping spree actually begins. Is
2: this ringing any bells for anyone? I definitely enjoy shopping as much as the next person, but I wouldn't say I've got an addiction. Like... I definitely really enjoy it and there's nothing nicer than getting a new piece of clothing, putting it on and feeling really good about Mm -hmm. your new outfit. I mean, I don't shop every day. I don't feel like it's an issue. Mm. What about you? I'm
1: definitely guilty of buying things to make myself feel better. Definitely,
2: definitely. But, but that's yeah.
1: I certainly don't buy things that I don't need or really want. Or yeah, I don't buy just to shop. Yeah, I, I definitely money. don't shop just to shop unless I've had a really shit day and a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> jumper. But um, yeah, very. I agree. I actually don't think I fall in this camp because I think these are people who just need to buy anything at any yeah. point. They liken it to kleptomania. Actually, in this piece, saying that it's just an impulse control disorder. So you have to buy something, you know, at that point that you're getting anxious.
4: I think that's a better way of describing Mm -hmm. it rather than it being an actual sort of shopping addiction. Mm -hmm. I think that may be kind of...
3: I don't know. I disagree because I definitely relate to some of these. I think the fourth... Aspect of this compulsive buying disorder is after you've actually bought the things, you feel kind of disappointed and ashamed at how much money you've spent. And I think it's not kind of like you go to a shop and you have to buy everything, but it's more like and I've had this before, and I really have to like now force myself if I want something to wait to buy it, and then the kind of urge will die down mm-hmm. because it's like this urge I get really scared of things selling out, and the top shop website, I'm gonna blame a lot of this on that because when stuff sells out and you're like, I really wanted this thing and you have to wait to buy it. Oh it makes you want it so So much much
2: more. more. And you want it
3: so much more, but I just get that sometimes and I just get panicked that it's going to sell out. So I'll just buy stuff and not really think about, do I actually need this? Will I actually wear it? And I used to do this all the time, take the tags off. And then two days later, I was like, wait, I don't actually have a use for this. Mm -hmm. So what I will do now is, well, one, I'll make myself wait a few days, even like a week to buy something if I really want it to make sure I still want it. And it's not just... Oh, I really like this and it's going to sell out. And then I will keep the tags on until the last return date. Uh-huh. And then most of the time I will send it back because I will just realize, actually, you know, I don't mm. really want yeah. this. And that's what really helped me because it's just this weird like thing of if I have this, I'm going to wear it to this event and or, like I'm going to wear it on this day and I'm going to feel like this. And I think the way that stuff is advertised to us makes this so much easier because they use your emotions to sell stuff to Mm -hmm. you and they always make you think like if I buy this I'm going to feel like this or Mm. my life's going to be like this and really it's you're not going to yeah. feel well, any. Like yeah, no, again, yeah. no, no. I think
2: social media plays a big part You're in this. Not if you feel see someone any different, just a bit poorer.
1: I do <laughs> think that the rise in, in not just online shopping, but the ease with which you can make returns, yeah. actually has helped that for me. So in the past, yeah. if, like for example, if you try and return something to Zara in store, you I've had this recently where I just I actually ended up keeping something because every time I tried to return it, it was like a forty-minute wait queue. Oh, but Zara, as an example, ASOS, loads of brands make returns so easy now that actually even if there is something that I've compulsively bought, I've then got the time to assess it and it can just go straight back, you know, the courier comes and picks it up and it's all free. And actually that's helped me a lot because those impulse purchases are so easy to return that you then
2: don't end up making that sacrifice. And I think it makes you realise actually the things that you buy and you keep, for me anyway, are always the pieces that I absolutely Mm -hmm. love. If it's something that I'm like, oh that's nice, it always ends up going back or I'll wear it once then afterwards I'm like, oh I don't really even like it. Yeah. So I would much rather buy less but a much more considered and perhaps slightly more expensive purchase than buy really quick things on the high street that I know I'm not going to like and I'm going to see loads of people wearing Mm -hmm. so that's also another killer for me.
1: I definitely learnt that the hard way as well. It's not at the point like you were at the point of kind of purchase or in and around that time it's when I go to have a wardrobe clear out and I look at things and I'm like why did I buy I spent money on this and I've never worn it or you know and I think the more you have those experiences the more considered you
2: are about what you actually buy. And I think actually if you looked at things in your wardrobe and you were like, if I saw this in the store now, would I buy it? Mm. Then I think that shows you mm. definitely.
3: And I definitely agree with fast fashion, not buying mm. fast fashion. It's crazy. I added up the amount of shit I had from like misguided a few years ago in my wardrobe. And I was like, I could have actually bought one really, really nice dress. And like
2: my Danny really dresses. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For
3: example, I spent more money on those, but I wear them all the time. I don't want to sell them like the next yeah. season, mm-hmm. like I do with a lot of other kind of and the quality as
2: well a lot of the things that you can buy cheaper are just such terrible quality Mm -hmm. like they fall apart
4: you're going to get holes in they don't Mm -hmm. wear well they don't wash well it's really not worth it that's the biggest problem I have especially I don't have a washing machine so I have to use the kind of laundrette (laughs) around the corner and even on like a tiny you know sort of 30 degree thing everything shrinks or goes awful so yeah again just well i wrote a piece not that
1: long ago about sustainability and fashion and just researching a small piece like that is so eye-opening it takes seven thousand liters of water to create one pair of jeans on the high street yeah. and like go back and find that article on show because actually it really has made me rethink yeah. that it's Crazy. not just the misguiders it's the zara's and you know the other high street stores that we kind of turn to for our quick fix and
2: actually we're like really really yeah. harming the planet there's actually a new brand that's launching in middle of september called the resolution store and they are basically reselling a product that bloggers have been gifted or bought and only worn once and it's an amazing way to sort of increase the cycle of those clothes and make them much more sustainable so hopefully that will spark a bit of a change there We've all heard of catfishing,
1: but have you heard of hatfishing? It's the latest dating buzzword. And much like catfishing, it involves a certain level of deception and a lot of different hats.
3: Rosie, I'm gonna throw this to you. What exactly is hatfishing? So hatfishing is essentially the art of hiding a peculiar shaped head from your date under a hat, or maybe your receding hairline. One of the two. Basically you've got a head that you don't really like, so you hide under a hat, and never take it off. So it's Prince William at circa his St. Andrews era who's being cited as kind of
2: the poster boy for this. Does anyone here feel like they've been hatfished? Lou? I just think this is the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever read. Like, so what if he's wearing a hat and you go on a date? I don't think it's reason to break up with someone because no, you haven't seen the top of their head. Like, <laughs> when would you ever decide to date someone or not someone because of the shape of their head? Like, is that a really big thing that I've missed in the dating world? I kind
1: of feel the same about a bull patch. Like, I know that some people don't necessarily look, but like, I think a bull man's quite hot. Like, I wouldn't be off by somebody. But who's it's using. the
3: deception. Like, it's like they won't take the hat off, so they keep the hat. They wear the hat when. What you if meet they're you? really into
2: hats? And also, <laughs> this piece also notes the fact that this could be related to women taking high angle selfies using Snapchat filters or posing on a dive bar in shortage or even oh when you when you're saying it. In, in, inside but, but so
3: the thing is the like, thing that they never take the hat off right so they wear it to meet you they wear it in their photos they wear it in the restaurant they wear it during sex i
2: don't believe that that's a thing i don't <laughs> think there are men out there who are wearing hats <laughs> during sex yeah so. and that must be such a small percentile. like how I just don't know how this is a thing.
1: And also, like, okay, I feel like it's kind of like me having faked tan, right? It's not the same as dyeing your hair because that doesn't change. Completely. But it's like having a spray tan and going on a date, and then they see you a month later and you're a bit paler. Like, have I been deceptive? It's not yeah. necessarily <laughs> that I've tried to like hoodwink him into no. falling in
2: love with my tan. It's just self. like I don't know, drawing on your eyebrows. Yeah. I like, think if that's something that makes someone feel better, wear a hat. Yeah, I agree. I did get hat first. once. did you?
3: Well, yeah. But did I you did feel he... bad about it? I did. I did. Did you? But... Did he wear a hat when you had sex? No.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't make it that far right. Wait, so what upset. happened?
3: This is my one and only Tinder date a few years ago He and put you off No, so he was wearing a hat in all of his pictures And I do like a hat, a backwards cap um, Yeah, very specifically And I was like, sick, this guy looks cool And then he did meet me wearing a hat And then it got to a point where I was like Is there a reason you're still wearing a hat indoors? Probably because he's got
2: hat hair and he doesn't want to take his hat yeah, off no. guys So we already. took
3: off the hat Yeah okay. Didn't have the best hair, and I was like, I just would have liked to know this before I'd given up my Thursday. I think
1: you're being quite picky. I am, yeah, picky. yeah, you are. Okay, fair enough. High standards, Heather. Any experience of this?
4: No, no it's I, ridiculous. Yeah, I've never been on Tinder or anything like that, so I haven't been swiping like, on men with hats. But I don't know. I'm not. But I, would it bother you? I don't think so. No, I don't have anything against kind of receding hairlines or bald spots no. or strangely oh, shaped heads also, or anything. So, I don't think it would bother me.
1: And also, what if he wears caps all the time? So, yeah, he might have deceived you as to what he looks like kind of au naturel, but if every time you go out he wears like a beanie but or what? a backwards cap, then like that's just part of his look. And yeah. so, yeah, like, most of the time, you'd see him in that. Exactly, a hat. like
3: James Bay, like in his hat, like that's his look. Yeah. 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 But he also has a great head of hair under the hat. Yeah, it's very
1: specific. But
3: what happens when you like get in the bedroom and they take the hat off and you're like, I'll oh, put it
2: back on. Well, <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean,
1: if you're that repulsed by that. But their again, hair I think sense. that could be like,
2: like as Charlotte again, said, really like fun. wearing fake tan or wearing like, just, like contouring your face and then you. I use wear the face light. during sex. Contour. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Clean, fresh. Well, you're
4: contour-fishing.
1: <laughs> you're men in that case. Okay. Well, I think we've all agreed that that's ridiculous. But I do think that if men are feeling insecure about their hairlines. And they shouldn't because it sounds like everybody's all right with a bit of boarding. Except Rosie. Except Rosie. Except Rosie. Get
3: out. And I also <laughs> like,
1: rock a hat if you want to. Yes. Agreed. Let's end with a bit of fashion. We wrote a piece on five grown-up ways to style a mini skirt. They can get a bit of a bad rap, but we're here to prove they're not actually just for tweens. I feel like we've got some mini skirt fans in the room here. Heather, you're partial to a not necessarily a mini, but it's but I mean they're not a midi. What are you wearing today? Yeah. very short.
4: shorts. Yeah, no, I've definitely grown to like them with a pair of tights. I don't think I've not brave enough. Well, yet. we know that you won't. This ditch summer, the I've there. hardly worn tights until I finally well. embrace it because I didn't really have a choice. because It's so fucking. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird actually when I came out from holiday the other week putting tights back on. Mm. I was a bit like, yeah, I can see why everyone it's the hates tights didn't go
2: on your road trip. No, not at all. Didn't wear them once. in Vegas.
4: No, didn't <laughs> take a pair. But I do think for winter, yeah, a mini skirt with a big chunky jumper mm. and tights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really. a big fan of that.
2: Do you think it can be grown out, Lou? Definitely. I think you almost need to take that rule of opposite. So I think if you're going to get your legs out, wearing it with a chunky knit looks really cool. Mm. I think generally with like flats, with high tops. I think I think it looks really cool. I think for probably more of a younger spin, I'm a big fan of a a mini. And I think there's so many ways to wear it Mm -hmm. in a more grown up style also with like a long overcoat yeah I think that looks looks really cool I love like a denim mini with a mac yeah I think it's with like a really oversized trench I think that's a really cool look yeah
3: Rosie you do like a mini as well don't you yeah I do and this has been the first summer I have braved Is wearing really? tights normally I wear them in like 28 degrees I really like your
4: black leather one yeah that's oh, really, yeah. really that's nice
3: yeah love a mini skirt and that's why I'm quite excited about autumn because I get to wear more of my ones that are too short to wear without tights yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with tights again I just think I have Really want to buy more sheer tights. I know you guys did an article about it last year, but I only just bought some actually expensive ones because before I just feel like they make my legs look like bags of black yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you bought expensive sheer tights, like nude Not, or no, no, like well, a no like pale got, black. I definitely can't wear nude, opaque. like transparent uh, to black. Uh, like black, yeah, like 20 denier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. From wolford mm-hmm. And the difference is shocking.
2: A and good it, pair of tights can transform your life. I could
3: not believe, I just couldn't, I was like what have I been doing my yeah, whole life? Yeah it's really worth it. I'm now very excited to get my mini skirts back out. Not so excited to snag the yeah. very quick
2: pair of tights the first yeah. go. But <laughs> can I just say one tip if you're going to be wearing tights and a mini skirt is to make sure that you don't have that like oh, cycling short yeah. line. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well nice tights though this tend not yeah. to have that seam though, do do don't
1: they? Or really actually, there was a girl opposite me on the train this morning and she was wearing like the suspendery style ones and I could see the top. Oh god. good. Line.
3: That used to be a
1: deliberate look, wearing those with denim shorts. Wow. Yeah, and there also used to be the tights that had like the passion
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was quite into them
1: back in mm. 2011, whatever it was. Yeah. Lou, if people want to buy a mini skirt, where should they be looking? I'm a big fan of a suede mango one that's Ooh, out there right now. So
2: good. Actually, I bought a suede mango one probably three, four years ago and it's still going strong and they've got, I think they've done a similar one this season. And other stories, also really good yeah. for skirts. And there's also a lot of cord mini skirts of this cord. season. I'm those. So I think yeah. going into autumn winter, that's a really good way of kind of tapping into that trend yeah. if you don't want to go with a full-on suit. That 70s vibe. Mm. There's yeah. also
1: some really nice leather styles.
2: Marsh. Yeah. That'll mm-hmm. be another top tip. And so mm-hmm. you can never go wrong with a, a leather mini skirt. Agreed. I think it's a bit of a sleep one. Okay.
1: Yeah. We'll hook you up. Thanks. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, and we'll see you next week.
4: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag.
2: Say hello to Quince.